Have you ever had a big fallout? Have you ever had a big fallout? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Like a huge argument uh, with someone that you really care about, someone that you love, someone you care about deeply. It's the worst feeling in the world, isn't it, if you've ever had that? You know, some of the things that we love about friendship and some of the things that we love about relationships is that we can encourage each other, right? We can have fun together. Uh, Maybe you can even lend your shoulder for someone to cry on during those difficult times in our lives. But maybe something that we don't talk about often when it comes to friendship and when it comes to relationships is that there are those times when things don't go so smoothly, right? You know, do you know what I mean? Like, there's, there's times in those friendships and those relationships where there's conflict, when there's a disagreement. Dare I say that there's an argument or even a fight. And sometimes even the silliest things can begin an argument, right? It doesn't have to be super like this big deal. Even a small thing can kind of create a little bit of contention. The dumbest thing can cause a fight between two people. For example, uh, guys, I'm kind of ashamed to talk about this, but here at Swerve Church, there's been an ongoing debate that has been the butt of many fights and many and much contention here. Um, I mean, sometimes some of us in the church, guys, is really causing division. There's sometimes we'll go weeks without talking to each other as people fight, you know, and really argue over this one topic. I have a picture of it on the screen. It's this. Which New York baseball team is the best? And everybody knows the answer. Ready? Say it. One, two, three. What? You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? Yo, how about this? Everyone has probably had this debate at one point or another. I know we definitely have had this in our home. In fact, many marriages have broken over this argument, over this debate. Um, a lot. I don't know if you guys ever asked this question. The question is this. You can see it on the screen. Which way does the toilet paper go? And uh, man, people have, uh, marriages have broken up over this debate here. Uh, but you guys, everybody knows what it is, right? What is it? Ready? Go. Uh, yeah, that's definitely over. You <laughs> You can't trust anybody that gets their tissue like this, right? So, all right, well, I love this. This week I found this tweet uh, on Twitter. A couple is having an argument, right? So talking about arguments and contention, a couple is having an argument about getting a second puppy. And the guy was like, no way, that's not going to happen. The girl, of course, she wanted it. And then he tweeted this right here. It says this, my girlfriend wanted another dog, but I didn't want. So we compromised and got another dog. (laughs) So we all know who won that argument, right? But seriously, guys, you, you know, we've all been there, right? And it's almost a necessary part of any relationship. You see, when, when we're so relationally invested in someone else, be it a friend, be it a family member, a spouse, it's inevitable that we will eventually hurt each other's feelings. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. And here's what you need to know about people in the Bible. As we read this passage in Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 to 14, you need to know about this, that these are real people with real problems, facing real tension. When we say that Paul wrote the letter to Galatians, that means he was a real guy who was named Paul and wrote to real people in the region of Galatia. He was a real person. These are not fictional characters. And I love, what I love about the Bible is that it doesn't make these people to be saints, right? It doesn't make them to be perfect people. In fact, the Bible is brutally honest, showing us warts and all. And today is no different. You guys remember, just to jog your memories, it's uh, fill in the blank there in your notes. What is Galatians all about? Galatians was written by Paul to the churches in Galatia to remind them of the true good news, right? You said this is the big idea, the overarching idea of the book of Galatians or the letter of Galatians. 
And in the passage that we're studying today, Paul is going to be calling out one of the prominent leaders in the early church. You may have heard of him. Uh, it was Jesus' good friend, Peter. Uh, in fact, if it's confusing for you guys in your notes where it says, uh, when it talks about Cephas, that's Peter. So they're, well, they're one and the same, okay? Uh, they're describing the same person. That's Peter there. And if it helps you to remember that, maybe you can circle and write Peter above the name Cephas there. All right, so this is Jesus' good friend, Peter. And he was certainly a well-known leader within the early church. He was one of Jesus' original 12 disciples. And Paul is going to call him out. And you see, guys, sometimes tension could arise even amongst peers, or even, even amongst friends, amongst family, and of course, even amongst church leaders. And while a little while ago we made light of some less serious matters, you know, sometimes there are matters that are worth addressing. Isn't that right? Some things you can let it go, like which way the toilet paper goes. But sometimes there's more serious matters that we must address. And this is what Paul is showing us he had to do with Peter. Paul had to confront Peter because he had deviated from the true gospel. We said that the true gospel is God's free gift of grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. Nothing else. Point blank. There's nothing added to that. And anytime you add anything to that, you pollute the gospel. Peter had sided with these other religious leaders. We've mentioned them throughout the past uh, five weeks and on our series, these other religious leaders who were adding to the gospel, they were saying that there was a need to be circumcised. In fact, where once Peter would sit at the table with Gentile believers, and I'm sure he would even disciple them and share the gospel with them, but then he sided with the, these Jewish leaders who did not accept the Gentile Christians. And so as you can imagine, this created a, a, a great tension. And, and Paul had to address it. Because of that, the gospel message had been polluted and Paul had to step in to correct it. And in essence, he's going to tell Peter, yo, bro, come on. Like, you know the true gospel. Like, you and Jesus were tight, man. You guys were really close. You was boys. How can you go messing with his message? And that's what Paul is going to tell him. And so as we study today's passage, I want to point out three things that we can learn uh, from this conflict between Paul and Peter. Um, after all, guys, this is all something that we all experience in real life. We've all experienced tension. We've all experienced conflict. All right, so we're going to go through three practical things. Here's number one in your notes. Take out your message notes, guys. That's printed there so that you can go ahead and follow along, fill in the blanks, and, uh, and take notes and help you kind of focus in on what we're talking about today. And number one is this, that the first thing that we learn, I believe, is that we all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. Now, guys, there's nothing worse than someone who thinks they have it all together, right? Everybody know that person? By the way, if you don't know that person, it's probably you, okay? But we all know that person. Like, they think they got it all together. And it's so easy to read into this passage and just go crazy pointing figures at Peter, isn't it? Like, it's so easy. So before we go ahead and we hang Peter for his actions, can we all admit that we've all made mistakes as well? Right? We've all blundered. We've all made big mistakes, small mistakes, all sizes, all different types of mistakes. Now, I, I think that this can be extremely freeing for every single one of us here today. Right? And let's do this together. Let's practice. Let's do this exercise. This is to help everybody here. Raise your hand if you've ever made a mistake. Raise your hand. Look around, guys. Look around. Look around. Look around. Look at that. Every hand raised. Everybody's made mistakes, whether big or small, right? We all, we all have, and it doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or not, a church leader or not, we all make mistakes. Isn't that right? We all make mistakes. And I think this is true of Peter uh, as well. Peter had made a big mistake and it needed correction. 
And that's why Paul had to step into the picture to remind him the essence of the gospel. To remind him, hey, Peter, it's not okay to live a hypocritical life where your words and your actions don't align. Peter, it's not okay to do that. And what's the application for every single one of us here is that you will make mistakes. It's not a question of if, but when. And the question is, how quickly will you learn from your mistake and bounce back? And that's the application that we can understand. You see, some of you are here, you're walking around defeated, and you're beating yourself up because of some mistakes that you've made in the past. You, you need to allow this to comfort you. You will make mistakes. And guys, let me speak from my heart for a moment for us here, specifically here at Swerve. We want to be, we want our church to be a place where it's okay to not be okay. We want to go into this realizing that no one is perfect, that we have all made and will make mistakes. And we want Swerve to be a place of healing and of forgiveness. And you need to understand that Christ died for those mistakes. He died for those sins, the ones that that you've made, the ones that you are making, and the ones that you will make. His death on the cross, which we do not merit or deserve, paid in full our sin debt. But Danny, aren't you letting Peter and all the rest of us off the hook? Not at all. But we need to stop kidding ourselves and realize that we're not perfect. And we don't have it all together. And that this side of heaven, we never will have it all together. We will never be perfect. So let's be a community where we can reflect Jesus to such a degree that people will experience the same forgiveness, the same love, and the same grace that Jesus shared. Here's the second thing that I think that we can learn from this passage. It's this, that serious matters deserve serious confrontation. Serious matters deserve serious confrontation. Check this out. In verse 14, Paul states, I told Cephas in front of everyone. Whoa. That'd be fighting words, right? How many of you, like, if somebody came up, like Paul came up to you and confronted you in front of all your friends, in front of everybody you were hanging out with, at the dinner table, at a restaurant, whatever, like the Bushwick would come out of you, you know what I'm talking about? You'd be like, yo, what up, homie? You you ain't going to step up to me Mm -mm, in front of my friends, you know, in front of my boys like that. I'm going to knock you out. I'm going to knock you silly. Some of you, that would come up if somebody came and confronted you that way. Now, listen, not all matters deserve such a serious response. But Peter's actions described here in the text were in direct contradiction to the essence of the gospel. The gospel welcomed everyone regardless of their cultural or ethnic background. The gospel was for both Jew and Gentile. And the actions declared by Paul of Peter is kind of like a high school cafeteria. We've all been there. Right? It's like you're sitting at the lunchroom table with all your nerdy friends. Right? You're having a good time. Right? Talking about Pokemon cards right? and Star Trek or whatever. But then all of a sudden the cool kids come in. And what happens? You get up, I don't know these guys, these losers, I don't know them. You go and sit with the cool kids, right? You pretend like you don't know them. That's kind of like what's happening. Not really, but kind of, right? You know, Peter broke bread with these Gentile Christians, but when the circumcision party, the religious leaders corrupting the gospel, when they arrived, all of a sudden he didn't know who they were. And he was like, who who them? I I don't know. I don't know who those people are. And this is a serious attack on the essence of the gospel. And because this was a serious matter, it deserves serious intervention. And now some of you, some of you love to argue. Some of you like contention. Some of you, like you like to argue. You like to call people, like pull their cards. Some of you like that stuff. And you're like, right now, you're like, Danny, I found my favorite passage in the whole Bible. I love this verse right here. Paul calling out Peter. That's, That's my verse. That's my memory verse for the rest of my life. 
is you're going to go to everyone you see. You're going to speak your mind about every single matter. You're just going to pick random fights with people on the street and tell them what's up, right? But not every matter deserves the same response. Now, listen, a couple things to note here. I want you to realize that Paul confronts Peter to his face and not behind his back. And I think so often the temptation is to let someone have it without having them present in the room. And I believe this helps set a precedent for us that we, should go around, we, should, we shouldn't go around simply bashing someone, especially family, which is essentially what Peter and Paul are, right? They're brothers in Christ. They're family. And here's what I believe is such an important application from this for us. And I believe that every single one of us here, we all need accountability. We all need accountability. And accountability best happens in the context of community and relationship. And, and this is, I don't know if you know this, but this is what the church provides. At least it should. Church is not an event. Church is not a building. Church is family. Church is community. It's relationship. And this is what we want to provide. Now listen, you cannot go around living your life without accountability. Though I know that this is what some of you are trying to do. You don't want to submit to accountability. You want to live your life your own way. You want to, you know, uh, you know, pretend to be somebody else, come to church, and then live a completely different life. Well, as soon as you walk out those doors. But we're called to be a family. We're called to keep each other in check. Listen, we all need to be checked sometimes. That includes me. We all need to be course corrected because what did I say at first? Number one, we all make what? Mistakes. So we all need to be course corrected. We all need reminders. And listen, if you have people around you that aren't willing to tell you the truth when you need it every now and then, uh, they may be fun to be around. You may have a good time, but they probably don't love you very much. Which leads me to what I believe is the third thing that we can learn from this passage. And that's this, that we ought to receive, rebuke, and remain teachable. Receive, rebuke, and remain teachable. You see, guys, the temptation when you receive rebuke is uh, to get defensive. Anybody guess like that? Right? You come up with excuses as to why it's not your fault or you're trying to diminish the gravity of your offense. And the other way that you might respond is to blame shift, right? It's like Adam and Eve in the garden. God, it wasn't me. It was my wife. It wasn't me. It was the serpent, right? We kind of, we, we do the blame game. Well, actually, it was this other person's fault. This other thing happened. You know, but I think it's really important that we actually receive rebuke. And that we remain teachable. Remember guys, no one is perfect. And while you may have certainly surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit's sanctifying work is an ongoing process. A lot more of us, you know, a lot of us are more like Peter than we maybe care to admit. But the fact that this is even in the Bible, right? Like the fact that we're reading about this tension, about this confrontation between Paul and Peter... The fact that this is here, this should be encouraging to us. The rebuke to Peter would ultimately lead to serious reflection on Peter's part and and ultimately would lead to a change of heart. And and that's that's what loving rebuke and loving confrontation does. Rebuke ultimately leads to repentance and restoration. But, but But only then, the only way we can truly experience that is to be able to be open to receive rebuke and to remain teachable. Guys, if Peter would have responded arrogantly, and if he would have rejected the, the rebuke of Paul, if he would have not been teachable, this could have ended very differently. Couldn't have? Think about it. How would have it played out? But instead, we have stories like what we read in Acts chapter 10, 
Peter stands up before Jew and Gentile and he proclaims the gospel to both. And the Bible says that as he proclaims the gospel to Jew and Gentile, that there's a response of the gospel preached by Peter and Gentiles surrendered their lives to Jesus and the Holy Spirit is poured out on them. In fact, I wanted to read you these few verses here. It's not in your notes, uh, but I wanted to read it to you. If you have your Bibles, you can look it up or you can read it a little bit later or just listen to it as I read it to you. This is Acts chapter 10, verse 44 to 48. And it says this, while Peter was still speaking these words as he's sharing the gospel to Jew and Gentile, the Holy Spirit came down on all those who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and declaring the greatest of God. And then Peter responded, Can anyone withhold water and prevent these people from being baptized? Talking about the Gentiles who have, just, who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. See, Peter received rebuke, remained teachable. And we can read about the Holy Spirit being poured out. The response of not just Jew, circumcised Jew, but also even of Gentile. And recognizing that this gospel was for everyone. For all. And by the way, guys, if you're here today and, and you're not a follower of Jesus, then you too have a decision to make. Will you receive rebuke? Will you remain teachable? Because your, your rebuke today, if you're not a follower of Jesus, is this. That, that you need Jesus. That before a holy and righteous God, we are all sinful and we're all in desperate need of a Savior and that includes you. Apart from Jesus, we will all get what we deserve. And what we deserve is God's judgment and is God's wrath. But in God's great love and mercy, we are presented another option. We can surrender to Christ and Jesus lived the perfect and sinless life. And he absorbed God's wrath for us so that we wouldn't have to. And if you surrender to him, if you make him king over your life, you have the promise of forgiveness of sin and newness of life. And all you have to do is receive God's free gift of grace in Christ Jesus. As, uh, as I get ready to pray, I'm going to ask uh, the worship team to come up here. And they're going to lead us through, uh, through one more uh, worship song. Now, I'm just going to ask you guys to, to sing along uh, to this song, meditate on these words. And just consider as we talk about uh, the love of the cross, the love of Jesus and his work on the cross and, and his blood poured out for our sins. Lord, I ask that you would give us humble hearts. And I pray, God, against the temptation to have hard, rebellious, and unteachable hearts. Instead, God, we, we receive rebuke and that we would remain teachable. Lord, I pray that here at Swerve, we would be a family that can hold one another accountable, that we can be a place of forgiveness and restoration.